family-owned shop in Loganville, Sosby's Garage, for all your automotive repair needs. We service all makes and models, Ford and domestic. We repair engines, alternators, brakes, alignments, AC systems, and more, using certified technicians with over 90 years of combined experience. We also offer same-day service for some repairs. Sosby's Garage, 200 Bay Creek Road in Loganville. Dependable, honest, and fair. Look us up on Google or Facebook. We'll take good care of you. Broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett studio inside the Sonesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel. It's time for Case in Point, presented by Paradigm Security Services. We are the cornerstone of security in the Southeast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Case in Point. This is presented by Paradigm Security Services. I'm your host, Rick Strong, the president of Paradigm Security Services. We're excited to be with you today on Business Radio X. We are coming to you from the Subaru of Gwinnett, Atlanta studio, located in the beautiful Sinesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel in Duluth, Georgia. A little word for my sponsor, Sosby Auto, Sosby's Garage on Bay Creek Road in Loganville. Call John. They're dependable, honest, and fair. And you can get everything done with your car, and you will be glad that you did. Each week, we plan to feature businesses in the Atlanta area and people that are especially those in, that serve Gwinnett County. While all businesses have security concerns, not all are about physical security, and we'll touch on that and all related aspects of security through the course of each show. My guest today, I'm very pleased to have back with me, Mr. Joe Prophet, and he is a candidate for Congress for the Georgia 6th District. We are so glad to have you here. Uh, you've been with me before, but Great to see your smiling face. It's, uh, it's very good to be back here at uh, Business Radio X. I am excited about what we're doing and looking forward to the show. Well, we've talked before, but just so that those know, who is Joe Prophet and why do you want to be a Georgia congressman? Well, first of all, I'm the Joe in pro-fit. <laughs> and uh, I want to really do something different, uh, bring a new perspective to the 6th Congressional District. Um, most of my life I have been doing things that will benefit Joe. Now I want to do something to benefit the people um, of the 6th District. I want to provide the leadership that I've uh, been able to um, experience over the last several decades in business, um, in raising my family, and doing the things that I think all of us should do. And once I've uh, done that, I've raised several businesses, taking care of my family. Now I want to do something else important, help the folks of the 6th District. Well, you know a lot about teamwork and, you know, politics. When you really get down to it, it should be more teamwork than it is. I mean, you've been you former Falcon. I mean, football playing and everything, you can't get much more team than that. And I think that's something that we've lost in politics today is, is even whether it's the conservatives, although I will give this, the Democrats do play more of a team than the conservatives seem to do. But uh, getting on a team, playing the teamwork, doing what you need to do, and focusing on the real issues. And, and I know that, that we have some real issues in, in here. I know that one of the things that uh, I'd like to talk to you about, and I know you'd like to talk about, is health care and technology applications. Well, yeah, Rick, let me, let me just say this about, uh, you mentioned the uh, Falcons and football. I, I learned a lot from football. Um, 
And you'll be amazed at how much I apply that in my everyday life, um, apply it in my businesses. And I, I want to apply that same uh, lessons that I've learned in, in football into politics. You know, I've heard many, many people talk about how corrupt politics are and that it's a corrupt institution. My belief is that uh, politics don't corrupt people. People corrupt politics. Amen. And I bring our new perspectives to this uh, 6th district. Um, I want to make sure that the people of the 6th district have the type of leadership that, uh, that they deserve. Um, you ask why I want to go to Congress? <laughs> As my uh, little grandbaby said, Soma, she's eight now, she said, Papa is going to Washington to fix Congress. So I want to go and see what I can do to help make things better for all of us. Uh, take a big wrench <laughs> <laughs> and a big can of oil. Absolutely, absolutely. So well, go ahead. So anyway, I just, it's just that I, I'm I'm just trying to um, uh, inform the people that they have a better choice. Um, we had this seat for oh, decades. It was red. It was Republican, and it was good, and. I think we got very comfortable in that and decided that for some reason we didn't have to do the job anymore. In football, if you don't do your job, you get cut. And in politics, if you don't do your job, you lose the seat. I want it back. And I think I have the wherewithal to do that based on my achievements and my accomplishments across the spectrum. Um, I talked about my second book I wrote about fields of success, mm -hmm. raised expectation. Raised expectation is what the people of the 6th District want. That's what they need. And they've been disappointed once, but they won't be disappointed again. Because when Joe Prophet go to Washington, I'm taking the 6th District wishes and thoughts and way of life with me. That's that's. That's a great way to look at it, and, and I really think that it's been lost in a lot of ways, especially with the current way that it's being run. Absolutely. Um, let's get back on the health care and technology applications. What are your thoughts in that area? Well, health care, I think, is, is, is in front of us today. Um, we have in a world a pandemic. Uh, technology going to help us maneuver through this maze of, of confusion. Uh, there's a lot of fear out here now. Uh, healthcare is it's it's one of the most important things that we can have. There are a lot of folks talking about like uh, uh, everybody should have uh, healthcare, and I think everybody that deserves healthcare should have it, and everybody deserves it. But you have to somebody got to pay. Amen. And I'm thinking that if we this pandemic is a bad thing, but it's a challenge. And, again, uh, in a lot of countries, they're using technology to help uh, tame this beast, uh, being the virus. And I believe that through checking our um, vitals and doing the things that we should do, eat right, live right, uh, wash our hands and, and look out for each other, it's the most important thing that we can do in addition to the technology that they're using for tracing and tracking. So if someone has been found to have had the uh, virus, or even uh, have it now and not knowing asymptomatic, we'll be able to detect that through technology. Well, I'll be glad when they get these tests a, a little bit more and we start 
figuring out who's got the immunity, who doesn't. And I'm looking forward. You know, I was talking with my wife back in January. We had gotten kind of sick, and we don't ever get sick. And we didn't have a lot of the symptoms that this had, mild temperatures and, you know, feeling like we didn't want to do anything. And I just got to thinking, I think, you know, I wonder if by some chance we were one of these people that had very mild and it didn't really affect and all that because we don't ever get sick. First she got sick, then I got sick. So I said, you know, it'd be interesting to check and see if we had the antibodies and find out whether we had come down with that or not. And but, and, and that's important, too. I mean, it's like that's what I was trying to hit on a little bit, too, about the health care issues where you have underlying um, symptoms now that if your immune system is strong, then you are more likely to um, overcome that uh, virus and to fight it off. Um, our campaign consultant and I had a similar experience that you just mentioned. I was so weak, I, I, had, I told my wife, I said, I've never felt like this before. And for about four days, each one of us were out of the campaign. And when I went to see my doctor, my primary doctor, he told me, he said, I don't, it's not the flu. He said, but there's something wrong and I can't figure out what it was. So even what it is, so even the doctors didn't realize how uh, severe this uh, virus is or even detect it. Mm-hmm. So if I still believe that if our immune system is strong and moved out, then built up, then we'll be able to withstand that much better. You know, and that's the way it is really with any of the flus, with any of the illnesses. It's just a matter of getting yourself healthy and staying healthy. And, and, and if you allow me just for a second, I mean, I'm, you're talking about health care. I think that Atlanta is, is a position uh, with the CDC being here in, in Atlanta. And what we're trying to figure out right now, the campaign and, and our um, advisors are telling us that if we can move forward on some type of um, um, pharmaceutical research park located in the 6th District, we have uh, Emory here, we have Georgia Tech, the technology, we have the medicine, we have everything we need in order to create a, a uh, pseudopharmacal research park right here in the 6th District. And if we can start to work with that with the governor's office and trying to figure out how we can uh, take advantage of, of uh, the strong position we have with the CDC being here with a support system with the pharmaceutical research park, uh, I think would be great. And if you recall years ago the, um, in North Carolina, uh, they had a technology park. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and if we can come up with a pharmaceutical park here in Atlanta, it would be great. And it would be uh, <laughs> great for the people of the six districts because we create a lot more jobs. Well, and that's I look at it like you know thinking out of the box and just where can we grow? What can we do based on what we're seeing today? We know we're going to change things. Approaches are going to be different as we move forward. Right? How can we adjust to this? And I think that's a great idea. I mean, it's just something to put on the table. We can do the manufacturing right here in this research park, um, the pharmaceutical research park, and we could make available again. Uh, to people throughout the country right here in Atlanta. We have, um, uh, of course, Hartfield Jackson. We're in the center of transportation for the world. Mm-hmm. And to create that type of atmosphere here, is some of the, this is what I'll do, too, when I get to Washington. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people like uh, who we have right now in the position and the person who had it before, I consider those people as um, uh, team thinkers. Well, Joe Prophet is the thought leader. And what we do, we think of ways to improve the environment where we hear that benefits everybody. 
So I'm excited about this possibility of creating this pharmaceutical research park in the Atlanta area. I'm already talking with folks that will, uh, would be willing to put together manufacturing aspects of it, not just for now, but for the future. Well, you talk about manufacturing. You know, let's talk a little bit about jobs, economy, manufacturing, small business and payroll, you know, tax cuts, you know, even the Ways and Means Committee that you deal with. And, uh, you know, you might even drop in, I know it's a mouthful, but you might even drop a little bit about what your thoughts of the fair tax are. Well, let me, let, let me do it like this. First of all, I think the Ways and Means Committee is something that we have an opportunity to have a person on that committee now. The current person in that position in the 6th District does not have the background, does not have the pedigree or the leadership to get them into um, an area that will um, allow them to be put on that committee. Uh, I have a Ph.D. My Ph.D. is in business administration. And before I earned my Ph.D., I got my doctorate, I got my degree. Listen, I'm the son of a sharecropper, (laughs) you know, a proud sharecropper. But my whole pedigree is about improvement. And the Lord has positioned me uh, educational-wise and experience-wise to be in a position to be considered for that uh, Ways and Means Committee once I go to Washington. As you know, it has jurisdiction over taxation, tariff, uh, revenue, anything that's dealing with revenue raising, right. Social Security, unemployment insurance, Medicare. Those are some of the things that what most important to me that comes under the jurisdiction is foster care and adoption programs, temporary assistance for needed children and families. You know, my wife and I have for the last 10 years, we have dedicated ourselves to writing kids' books, children's books, trying to do things that will benefit these kids at an early age, starting at third grade, going all the way up to middle school. Uh, we call a program Legends and Kids young authors program Mm -hmm. we teach these kids that not only how to uh, improve their um, reading and learning skills but to um, massage their creativity their motivation and in writing books they become young authors uh, starting in third grade that's it's terrific yes sir so it all come back to the ways and means committee i think that um, uh, we have an opportunity to do something really again important with the next person that would be a congressman from the 6th District. Well, do you have any personal thoughts about the fair tax? I know one of the people that Michael knows uh, over in Alabama was kind of curious about that. And, I'm, you know, full disclosure, I'm a big fair tax person. I think that's the way to go. <laughs> well, don't know what your opinion is. Well, my opinion is, is, is a positive one. I, I like the fair tax. I think it has uh, potential. The problem is we got to get it out of committees and get it on to the floor. And the way to do that, you have to have the right type of representation, not just uh, from, from the 6th District, but once I'm there, I will be able to talk to congressmen from everywhere, not just in Georgia, but across the spectrum and, and talk to them and try to understand that teamwork is more important. That tax is something that's needed. It, it will be based on the amount of money that one spend to break it down to, to uh, simplification. I think one of the things that we've done as um, lawmakers or politicians is to try to talk over the heads of people. I want to talk to them. I want to be able to talk to them about a fair tax. And it's, it's really that it's fair. It's applied to what you spend, not necessarily what you make. It has provisions in there for 
uh, the uh, what I call uh, disenfranchised mm-hmm. communities that were not able to have uh, the ability to raise um, themselves up out of poverty. We have a provision that will uh, satisfy that. They have a monthly uh, check that will be sent to folks that cannot um, improve themselves. And I'll be trying to weed out the ones that will not. That's <laughs> a big deal. Yeah, it's a big difference. Well, I know that, that and we'll move on. I know it's what I've seen is a lot of disinformation. Not and It's some misinformation, but a lot of disinformation spread on the fair tax. Because in the end, it's going to take a lot of power away from a lot of politicians. And that in and of itself is creates where the disinformation comes. People just need to sit down and really read what the fair tax is to understand it for themselves. Well, well, that, too, and if you allow me, I'd just like to comment on that just for a second, too, is that, you know, politicians t- typically uh, talk down to folks and they talk in such a way that they don't understand. You know, I think that if we talk to folks and let them understand that this is, in fact, fair, then we'll get a different result. We'll get it out of committee and we'll get it onto the floor and hopefully into law. Yeah, totally agree. One of the biggest concerns, in fact, just in the news here in the last couple of days, there's a lot of talk about border security and immigration. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of give us your thoughts on those two subjects. Well, border security, I think, is, is the beginning of um, um, reality for every nation. We must secure our borders. We are the only nation, let alone the most powerful nation, that allow people to do things would never be tolerated in other countries. Give an example, Mexico, for instance. If you're in Mexico, whenever you leave your hotel room, you better have your passport with you. Um, If you go to Saudi Arabia, uh, I spent um, years over in uh, Riyadh. When you walk, when you go to that country, into the kingdom, if you don't have a passport, first of all, you don't get in. If you do get in, you get caught sneaking in, it's some price to pay. So border security is the first defense. I believe that if people understand that, yeah, you got to have a, a barrier. Barrier is a, bri- a, a wall. You get the wall, then you get all the surveillance you need to support that wall. And I think it's it's just about in, imperative that border security not only is uh, concerned that the border is also um, in our education system at the airports. You got the HB1 uh, series where people program with people coming in and overstaying their visa. Um, and displacing uh, our tech workers. Tech workers are now looking for other positions because people coming in from other countries, uh, primarily, um, and this is a record, it's a fact, from India. And what they're doing is bringing in what they call jobbers. Uh, They come in, they provide uh, services under a contract that doesn't, um, require any insurance, any protection for the workers, none of that. So you go out, you got a kid or a grandkid, or even yourself, and you're going out and you um, pursuing a career in tech. Once you get your degree, one or two things: you either have you're debt free, but usually you have a big um, loan to pay back for 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 going to school, mm-hmm. and then you can't find a job, and then you get big companies and. Um, that major multi-companies that are displacing entire departments don't have a tech department anymore because now they got folks coming in that are being trained, by the way, by our technical um, expertise, then being displaced. And they have no, and the companies should stop it. Because, first of all, I understand that companies got to make a profit. 
As a matter of fact, I tell everybody all the time, you know, if, if you're in business and uh, if you have a job or own a business, you want profit. Absolutely. That's why you're in a business. That's why I'm Joe Profit and I'm going to come. <laughs> <laughs> that works. That's why I'm going. I'm, I'm Joe Profit. And I want to go to Congress. And see, I'm the same guy that started uh, a multimedia company in the basement of one of my restaurants downtown Atlanta. And I grew that company into a $100 million company. Over 800 employees, nine countries. So I know a little bit about how things should, should work when they're done right. But if I had started my company now and tried to do the things I've done in high tech and multimedia, I wouldn't be able to do it because folks are coming in now, they don't have to um, live up to the same standards that I had when I was building my company. But I'm going to tell you something. Uh, we, we have, we've made uh, dreams come true for a lot of families, uh, both here and abroad. But we did it the right way. No, I totally agree. And you touched there a little bit on technology, research, development, that type of stuff. What about um, hardening the grid? Well, you know what? I think that is one of the most important things that we can talk about today, hardening the grid. See, what we don't quite understand is that we are living like um, in a society where one week, if everything stops, most of us are in a heap of trouble. And by that, I mean if, if, uh, if, if we have a, a meltdown like we did back in 1861, that was the natural deal. It was a solar storm, but it shut everything down. It froze the telegraph wires, everything. We were, we were in the dark, literally. If that happened today, we would be like in harm's way like nobody could ever imagine. And we're not making the necessary changes to try to harden the grid. Uh, if we, if communication, right now we're on the radio, we, we're, we're reaching thousands of folks. We don't have hand radios anymore, <laughs> okay? We should have backups so we can communicate with folks. So it's a serious issue. If the computer systems went out, the chips that we put in our computer system, if China decide that they're going to stop manufacturing them, and once we run out of inventory, guess what? Yeah, there's a thing called we're screwed. Absolutely, <laughs> and and that's why you got to have a big wrench to unscrew. <laughs> <A> big wrench <laughs> to unscrew. But it's 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 serious to me. And and folks like Newt Gingrich back in the day was talking about the grid and how it could put us out of out of circulation. Ninety percent of us could be in the dark. Um, and I believe I believe that then, and I believe it now. Uh, the 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 sixth district need a Newt Gingrich type mentality. And that's what I tell I folks, Rick. I tell them all the time that, you know, if I go to Congress, you're going to go, you're going to have a thought leader, not a group follower. That's awesome. Yes, well, I know that youth to you is very important. Uh, your whole life has been a lot of times that we talked about earlier dealing with, with youth. And one of your things is trying to figure out how to lower youth crime. You know, and that comes through education, through training, um, mm -hmm. technology, mentorship, um, what's your approach to that? Well, Rick, it really starts at our home. You know, I have people talk all the time about minority communities and how we are not conservative. Listen, that's foreign to me. You know, I grew up in segregation in this country, in the South, in Louisiana, my beloved state. And in my community, we had the most conservative environment you can imagine. We went to church on Sunday. We worked hard every day. Me and my family, we were sharecroppers. 
But my dad was a ex-veteran. He he served in the in the Second War. And when my daddy went home, he could only find a job sharecropping. But my daddy's attitude was this. He said, we're going to do something. And if that's the only thing we're going to have available, we're going to make it work. And he said, we said, if you have a plan, you have the grace of God and a work ethic, you can do anything. I believed him. I believed him then, and I still believe him. And I'm still working on that same work ethic that was instilled in me when I was a kid. That uh, So I try to bring that back to our community, to our youth today. I want to leave something behind for these children. And I talk to the parents about you got to raise your children. You know, I love the Lord, and most of us, we, we are a nation under God, by the way, still. And I believe that. So I do everything I can to help the parents to relate to their children and not to give up on them. And we have a program called Legends and Kids, Young Authors. We started with that program, but we, we have another program that's called Second Chance. And we work with DAs across the country and try to get these kids, when they get into that juvenile system for the first time, with nonviolent crime. We pull them out and try not to have them to become a permanent resident in that space. And then we teach them about uh, how to behave. Self-respect starts with yourself. How can we expect our kids to go out into the world undisciplined and have an attitude that they don't have to do anything, that they have a right simply because they're here? We are failing our children. So my wife and I have taken up many different avenues to try to help kids, but the main thing is second chance works. The DAs are willing to work with them. We get them out of the system. We go to the corporate America, and we ask them to hire these kids to mentor them. And But the, they're not going to hire them, and they're not going to mentor them if they don't know how to behave. So, again, we go back to the families and teach them, listen, the Bible says you raise them up, then you train them. And you don't want to raise up a weed. And by that I mean this. When I learned who we were as Americans. That was the beginning of my journey to try to share that with everybody. Because <laughs> I, I knew that a lot of families didn't have a daddy. And a lot of families even today still are raised by single parents, mostly by women, but some men are doing it as well. So I think it's important for America to teach our children the value of hard work and discipline. So, yeah, it's, it's important to me, the Second Chance Program, um, Youth Against Crime uh, Program. I'm working right now with, uh, we're trying to put together a program with uh, Sheriff Neal uh, to try to help these kids before they get to his jail system. Before they get there, we hopefully we'll deter them away from criminal activity into uh, positive thinking. That's great. We don't have a lot of time left, but I want to cover two quick, quickly two issues that I know that are more on the level of what you're going to deal with at the at the federal government. Fair trade tied to manufacturing small business. There's a lot of issues, a lot of thoughts, a lot of new deals, and all about fair trade. Thoughts? 
Well, I think the president is doing a great job with our trade situation. Uh, NAFTA has been redefined and redone. Uh, I think at some point it's just like a rich kid get um, um, to a point in their life sometime they start to feel bad because they're rich uh, monetary-wise. I think America started to feel bad because we are productive and that we are we're powerful and we, we, we are the beacon, as Reagan would say, that shiny hill, a shiny house on the hill. Yep. And tra- fair trade has gotten away from us. It's not fair anymore. It's not fair to us. Um, uh, I think what our president is doing now is the, the route that we should have taken years ago, but it took our Trump to do it. Well, it took a businessman looking yes. at it from a business from a business idea of how are we getting you know how how's business affecting us how does this look as far as if this was my business plan could i stay in business there you go and the bottom line is the way it was set up you can't run a business that way Absolutely. and this and when you get down to it that is business now i know that you're a big trump supporter a president trump supporter and that you firmly believe in our constitution so i'll let you close with your thoughts on uh president trump and support and yours on our wonderful constitution well, you know what? I'm sorry we don't have a lot of time because this would— I could talk this, to you another hour. <laughs> this would require a little bit more time. But let me, let me just say this. You know, I'm a businessman. I'm a family man. I'm a man of God. And everything I do is quote in that belief. And as far as the country is concerned, and Donald Trump in business, I think it's one of the best things that could ever happen to us. See, the people were fed up with promises and failures. Trump brought in, he kept his promises, and he made us win. And this country is better off because of it. And for the folks out there that are listening, I'd just like to say this, that he may not be the best we have, but he's the most we've ever get in this country in leadership. And I believe that we should continue to pray for our president. We should continue to pray for our nation. And when I ask the Lord to bless America, I mean it in a biblical sense. I believe that we were founded on Christian values. I believe the framers of the Constitution were inspired by the Holy Spirit. When I say God bless America, I mean it. But God don't bless over mess. And we got to start supporting our leader, our commander-in-chief. We got to start doing our part to keep America great. Now, Trump going to leave at some point. But he, like me, want to leave something behind, something people can use. Something better than it was when he got there. So help me. See, the word tells us that David filled his obligation during his generation. I want to feel my obligation during this generation. And Donald Trump, our president, is filling his obligation during this generation. So I would say this, that I've worked for one of the greatest presidents ever in the history of the world. That was the Honorable Ronald Reagan. And I got a letter of the day from a supporter, 
His name is Larry. I'm not going to go any further, but Larry wrote me a little note. And what jumped out to me in that in that letter was he said, I understand that you were a supporter of Ronald Reagan, that you were state chairman, Blacks for Reagan Bush. I said, yeah. Then he went on to say he'd be proud of you. And I said, that was the most profound thing that I could hear from anybody because it's like my daddy used to always say, don't quit on me, boy. And when I go to, when I leave this place, I want to hear the word, Joe, well done. And if I can close on anything, I want to close on that, that if I get the pleasure, the privilege of going to Washington as the next congressman from the 6th Congressional District here in Georgia, I will feel my obligation. I will represent the people. And I use every ounce of leadership that the Lord has bestowed on me to do that. Well, I wish you all the luck in the world, and the prayers go to you. Uh, I agree that uh, there's time for some changes, and I think you would be the excellent change. I would like to say this real quick before I go. I know we show up, but I'm sitting here looking at, uh, you know, some people talk about how I got this video called Joe Knows. And people really don't concern themselves too much about how much we know until they know how much we care. And I have a little thing that says Joe Cares, and it's a sanitizer that I'm offering to your supporters, the people calling the sponsor in this program, and for people in the 6th District that help us volunteer and do all the things that we need to do. I want them all to know that Joe Cares, and I will continue to do that. And I'm offering these little hand sanitizers out. I mean, you can keep it in your car. Pretty you cool. Keep, you can keep it in your purse, et cetera. So anyway, I just thought about that. I just wanted them to know that Joe cares. Well, if they want to get in touch with you and make uh, and pick one of these up or make a donation or help support you or get out there and wave some flags and put some stuff, how do they get a hold of Joe Profit? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because that's not one of the things I do. But, but it's JoeProfitForCongress.com. If you go to JoeProfitForCongress.com, you will be able to see some of the uh, issues that we're standing on, some of the principal things that we're doing. And if you want to go to JoeProfit.com slash Joe Knows, we got a video there for you to give you a little background on yours truly. Sounds fantastic. Well, again, appreciate so much you coming in and talking with us and sharing your beliefs and where you stand and your run for the Congressional Sixth Street. Thank Sixth you. Seat. Thank you. Thanks, Rick. Thank you for joining us on Case in Point, presented by Paradigm Security Services. Remember, you can join us live every Wednesday at 1130 or thereabouts in the morning. Or you can listen to our show anytime you want by going to businessradiox.com, clicking on the Gwinnett Studio, and then, of course, click on Case in Point. Join us next week at 1130, and we'll talk with business leaders about their businesses and related security issues in today's world. Thanks again to my guest, Mr. Joe Prophet. Thank you very much. And to Mike and to Amanda. And again, I am Rick Strawn. And remember, at Paradigm Security Services, we cover more than just your assets.